this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm Anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Welcome to Wednesday evenings. Up next, we got Dustin's Vinyl with your host, Jeffrey Paul, and music from Anthony Kaufer. Play us in, Anthony. Hey. That's what this show should be. <laughs> I am not Dustin Chafin. No, man. I am Jeffrey Paul. Um, Dustin is flying back to LA from New York. So um, hopefully he'll uh, some at some point be able to join us today. If not, you know, getting your luggages and also coming back. Uh, you know, I wonder if he experienced any delays because we're experiencing a lot of bad weather out here. So I wonder if he got off in time and everything. So uh you know, we wish Dustin uh, safe travels. And uh, I got to see him in New York uh, for a little bit uh, last uh, Monday. Uh, over oh, at, yeah. Yeah, at the comic strip. And it was it really felt like going back in time because, I mean, it, it felt like pre-pandemic, you know, seeing Dustin there. And I stuck around and watched his set and his new stuff, man. Have you heard it, Anthony? Uh, I heard some stuff on on uh, his Thursday Zoom show right here on uh, Comedy Hub. Uh, I've heard him working out some some of the new stuff. I, I love it. I think it's great. Yeah, it was great. Like in front of a live audience. Um, you know how you know it's a great set when he goes up or a comic goes up and the time goes by so fast. And you're like, holy smoke, it's over already. You know, now he he did great. Like his new stuff is is uh, edgy, and you know he you know he takes like like a lot of risks. Like a, to a like I was like sitting there going like, man, that's my friend. You know, I was like real, <laughs> I was like real proud, man. Like I was like holy shit, man. Like Dustin has not lost anything off the fastball at all. That's why you look so happy in the photo of you guys together. <laughs> yes, it wasn't because he was hanging out with me. He was just got off stage <laughs> and <laughs> murdered. <laughs> you were thinking about his material the whole time. Speaking of um, uh, of uh, people who are traveling, Anthony is not at his uh, usual confines. Anthony, where, where are you? I'm in uh, downtown L.A. right now. I was hoping you'd be able to see out the window, but wait, there it there is. You go. There you go. <laughs> I'm in uh, I'm in L.A. Uh, doing some shows and hanging out. Yeah. If. Well, people are listening to this live. So if you're on the West Coast and you're listening to this in L.A., uh, Anthony, you're, you're tonight at the uh, Ha Ha Cafe in, on, uh, in uh, North Hollywood on Lancashire, right? Yes, at uh, 8 p.m. tonight. Yeah, that, that's a great room, man. Yeah. 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 I, wish you, I wish you a lot of luck on that. Yeah, How hopefully you, it, goes, it goes well. What? How long have you been out there? Uh, I got here on uh, Friday. So what is that? five days or six days or something. Yeah, something. And then I'm here till uh, Sunday morning. Saturday, I'm at Flappers Comedy Club. Oh, nice. So see how that goes. Oh, we'll check out our buddy uh, Anthony Kaffer. Uh, 
Let me tell you a little bit about my weekend before we start talking music. Um, yeah. Yeah. The, the, I don't know if you've ever done this type of show before, um, but uh, Saturday I got booked at a nudist resort. <laughs> How was that? Well, I did 45 minutes at a nudist resort. Okay. Um, you know, it sounds better in theory than it does kind of like an actuality. It's a lot like socialism. It sounds good on paper, but it doesn't really, it doesn't really work so, out at the end. Is the audience naked for this? The audience is naked. And are they wearing masks? No, they're not wearing masks. They are, they are <laughs> naked. They're very, very free and very, very open. And they're very willing to just sit there and be naked and scratch and and high five and and do shit that people do you know naked you know stand there with a beer you know naked um yeah it, it was such a weird setup because it was outdoors but it was raining the performers were, were under like um a covering but like the people were still hanging out naked because you're listening, you're not getting your clothes wet Okay. Yeah. They're, they're naked. Some people are in the pool. It's always, it would stop raining. It would be a little bit overcast. Um, it was, <laughs> the thing is, it's like, you think like there must've been at least a hundred some odd people hang around. You think one of them, like on a scale of one to 10 would have like maybe gone past like a three. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it, it, it never quite reached that level. And so I do, I do, uh, I do my time. I do my set and, uh, you know, it, it was, it went fine. It was, it was good. Um, they, they, they were, were you naked? Come on, Anthony. I'm not, I'm not getting naked. If this was me, maybe 20 years ago when I was like in shape, you know, and, uh, you know, I like, and I, like, I don't even know if I have an ab now. You know, <laughs> not even one, not even I one. Have one. No. And, I, and and like, like, I think if I was naked, I think, I think like my tits would be bigger than some of the people in the audience. Uh, no, nah, I, I, I couldn't get naked. I, I didn't have to get naked. That was the first question I asked, but every, but everyone else in the audience was naked. So I do my time. Right. And, and as I go, I'm about to leave. I'm walking out because there was another comedian. This was like an all day comedy show too. This show ran from 12 to 4. Oh, that's too long. You think? Yeah. Out, outside, by a pool, people naked. Okay. What happens so, if they get sunburned on their, on, their, on their genitals? There was no, there wasn't sun. It was, it was overcast. So, so people were, were feeling more, more free, more unencumbered. And so if you, so, if, you uh, if you got nervous during the set, did you picture the audience wearing clothes? Do you know how many people made that comment or joke? <laughs> I refused to make that joke. I <laughs> know I didn't. But what I did do at one point during my set, I, I said, like, I got to stop for a second. I go, sir, I go, your penis is distracting me. You know, it's, it's, it's such a nice cock. I go, I think it's winking at me. <laughs> Yeah, it's like you had like you had like 70 year old women with like raisin tits. You know, it was it was everything like you could like imagine it would be. So I'm trying to leave. Right. I was I was watching a little bit of the comic after me. And then I was like, OK, yeah, I, I have to get back to uh, to Brooklyn. I was doing a block party. This was my Saturday. 
Okay, working, <laughs> work in a nudist colony. Okay, and then work in a block party. All right, this is the life. This is the glamorous life of a comedian. So <laughs> as I'm walking, leaving, a woman comes, you know, grabs me, and she's like, uh, "Hey, you know, I just want to tell you, you were really funny." I was like, oh, thank you. She goes, I enjoyed your set. She goes, in your set, you mentioned that you were married. Is that part true? And I was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I go, it's true. Uh, she goes, does it mean that you're married right now? Okay. Here's the part of the story I didn't tell you, Anthony. On a scale of one to 10, this woman was a minus six. <laughs> And that, and that that was it. The only good thing it, it was it paid well, and uh, now I have a story out of it. And you know, it was the first time I had ever done a nudist colony. Have you ever yeah. done anything like that? I no, I've never done a, a nudist. I did an underwear show one time in Pittsburgh. When you were in New York, were you like a guy who hung out the creek in the cave? Um, not really. I mean, I I have hung out there, but. That wasn't like one of my my go to spots. Yeah, because remember they used to do uh, a naked show. Oh, the naked. Yeah, yeah I never no, went to any of those. Um, no, I never understood the reason for it. No. So no, I, I only I only did the uh, I did this underwear thing just kind of by accident because I was doing a festival in Pittsburgh, and uh, I was just at that show. It was just one of the one of the shows on the festival. I was just hanging out and they're like, do you want to do it? I was like, yeah, I guess, I guess so. And I think I actually, I was in my underwear and then I wore a blazer. Did you have you wearing tidy whities Uh, no boxer briefs. There you go. All right. So yeah, that, that, that's, that's what's up. That's what you do. Um, <laughs> one last thing about this before we start talking music. Um, well, so while doing crowd work, you know, you start, you know, you, you start to get to know these people and there, there are, Two type of two types of nudists. You have people who just wanted to be naked and were enjoying you know, enjoy being nude, and then you had another group that was swingers, and the swingers uh-huh. and the and the nude enthusiasts really don't get along because the nude enthusiasts think like you know they kind of look down on the swingers. Did you know that? I, I didn't know that, but that kind of makes sense. But do how do the swingers feel about the the enthusiasts? Do they even they care, or they're just too busy having fun? No, they want them to swing. <laughs> so they don't even think about the the other group. No, because I'm talking to the audience. I'm trying to do like a little bit of crowd work while I'm sound. I'm, I'm trying to do like some material. I want you know I got to get something out of this, right? So I'm doing like and listen. After a while, like how much nude shit can you actually do? These people deserve to be entertained. So, you know, you start treating it like a real show, uh, at, which it was. So uh, I'm doing some some crowd work. I just wanted to get to know them, wanted to know who's married. And so this people raise their hand and like, who's, where's your husband? And, you know, and she points to the guy next to her, but she's in the arms of another guy who's kind of like rubbing her arms, rubbing her breasts, you know, this guy's, you know, got his hand on this other woman's knee, you know, it was just like a, it was just kind of, yeah, it was, it was kind of like a weird scene because they were interesting people to talk to and very, yeah. very nice and very, very candid. But at the same time, you don't want to, you know, alienate everybody else in the crowd and they're really spread out too. They were spread out. They, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> on that yeah, note. 
Uh. On that note, since, since you're bouncing a little bit early, you know, let's do the uh, the random poll. And since this is an unconventional show, we have an unconventional random poll. Yeah, I pulled this T-shirt that uh, has the the artwork for uh, the first Devo album. Uh, are we not men? We are Devo. So that's no. uh, that'll be the that'll be one of the polls, I guess. Yeah. Now, if I'm not mistaken, I I know that is late '70s. I'm not sure if that album came out in '76 or 78 which i think 78 is like the golden year of yeah. uh, music of, of, of album that came out in 78 i i i think it did so, so something somewhere around there because it, it's it's got kind of early punk influence and uh you know early new wave. it's not as new wave as their all their other stuff it has a little bit more kind of 70s punk uh influence yeah, yeah. I always think without this group, you don't have groups like Radiohead and maybe even Kraftwerk or, yeah. you know, who I, who I think is more almost like almost like a contemporary of them. But they, you know, if you remember on this album, this was the album that, that spawned um, the cover of Satisfaction. Yes. Right. And it was a Track really, two. yeah. And it was a really very like different version of Satisfaction. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's unrecognizable, really, except for the lyrics. Exactly. Uh, everything is different. The, the groove is changed. The, the melody, I mean, there's almost kind of no melody. It kind of awkwardly fits over this kind of odd, uh, this odd beat that they have. That, that one is a little more, that, that's kind of more new wave than some of the other, the other tracks. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of... Do you remember that in the nineties uh, there was a band called Cake, and they yes. did a uh, and they did a version of "I Will Survive" where they completely changed the arrangement. Yeah, he just kind of talks through most of it. Exactly, yeah. and, that, and that's the, that's similar a similar approach that Devo took. Yeah, and the other song I remember that came off of this was um, "Jocko Homo," which a lot of people just know as "Are We Not Men? We Are Devo." D E V O. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that, that's great. I mean, that's it's one of my favorite Devo songs. That's pretty classic. They're telling you who they are. You right. know, gotta gotta have that. And then the album after that wound up being like, you know, I think their their mainstream album with Whip It and you know whatever other song I you know I haven't listened to Devo in years. But uh, when I saw that shirt, I was like, oh my god, that that brought me back to being yeah. like a real little kid. And, you know, I remember seeing these guys like on TV, they were on Saturday Night Live. And they were just like, you know, man, it was like, they were different, they were weird. You know, you remember the like, guy, I've never seen anything like this before, but yeah. you, know, you, you, you know, they were completely enjoyable and made you want to like seek them out when, when, they, when I got a little bit older and I always enjoyed them. Yeah, they're great. When they did Saturday Night Live, did they, were they wearing like those yellow kind of hazmat kind of suits? Yes, they were wearing that, but they weren't wearing the um, like the planters on their head. Oh yeah, that was before. That, that was, came out. That came out after, right? That was for. I think that was just for the Whippet video, and then it became their their kind of trademark. <laughs> right, but I remember they were all guys. You know, they they all look like guys who probably like worked IT. You know, they remember they they didn't look like rock stars. You know, they had glasses. I remember you know, thinking, ah, oh, these nerds. 
And then they come out and they were just like so confident and so committed to like their characters and their bit. And like, didn't they have like names like Bob one, Bob two? Oh yeah. I think they, I think they did actually, which makes sense because they all dress the same. So it uh, kind of goes with the kind of uniform thing, which I guess was popular, you know, like similar to the Ramones taking the, the last name Ramon. Right. And none of them were actually Ramon. And, you know, everyone knows, you know, what's his name? Uh, Joey Ramon was like as Jewish as Jewish can be. Je- uh, Jeffrey Hyman, I think, was his name. Jeffrey Hyman. Is, that's exactly what his name was. Very good. <laughs> yeah. So that, that's a cool that's, that's a cool uh, show. Now, where did you get, you know, I would, you know, like, do you usually wear like, like a, a Devo shirt or like, you know, they, they, I mean, that, that's a shirt that you just don't see people wear a lot. Yeah, um, I got this. Um, I forget where I was on tour in 2019, and uh, I was just I was going to a lot of record shops and and just buying. I, you know, I might have gotten this at Amoeba uh, in uh, Hollywood, potentially. It looks great, man, and it's it, it's a great album. And you know, folks, you know, really who, who are listening. Pick up, you know, uh, the first Devo album. It really, it's really worth a listen. Um, you could really hear their influence in a lot of later years music. You know, they're yeah. a band that, you know, that, you know, I don't know if they're quite appreciated. I don't think they're in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And, well, they should underrated, and, I'd say. Under underrated, they are underrated. I think anyone where who is like a taste, you know, who, who started a, a style, started something and have influenced generations of musicians and, and culture and, and pop. I think, yeah. you know, I think that's really super important. And, you know, again, can you name anyone who was like Devo before Devo? No. Exactly. I, I, I can't. Right. Like they're, they're unique. They were different. And that that is a very very cool album. So check out the first uh, Devo album. All right, so we got your first. Oh, you know what's funny? Yeah. You know what's funny too. Uh, I was doing a sh- I was wearing this shirt uh, doing a show a while back, and this uh, somebody like in their early twenties thought that this guy was Matt Damon. They were like, "Why why do you have Matt Damon on your shirt?" It looks like a young Matt Damon. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like Matt Damon, if he was trying to be Jude Law in The Talented Mr. Ripley. <laughs> uh, that's good. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so that's, all I, that's the last thing I wanted to say about it. Okay. Um, so, Ant, why don't you... Um, I feel like Dustin tonight. Uh, I wish I was wearing a, a, a Stenson and, you know, had some... <laughs> okay. Um, why don't you bring in the... Um, it, 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 our, uh, our, our comedy album before uh, I, I start talking yeah. uh, classic rock. So we're, we're talking about uh, Weird Al Yankovic's uh, Mandatory Fun album, which came out in uh, 2014, I believe. 2014. That's the man right there. Uh, there he is. Everywhere yep. I go, people tell me that I look like him, no matter what kind of haircut I have. Or... Uh, you're better looking than Weird Al Yankovic. Come on. <laughs> Yeah, he's a good-looking guy. He is a good-looking um, guy. And, and he was a super nice guy when I met him. Oh, you met him? He seems yeah, like he would be nice. A, this is, a, this is a, an autographed picture that he signed to me. 
Oh, nice. Did he? he hey. Oh, yeah. 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 It's it says um, from one funny guy to another. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Oh, nice. How did he know you were funny? <laughs> he looked at me. so this is potentially it's uh the last like traditional album that weird al will make why is that he's he right when this came out he said he was more interested in doing kind of singles and you know just being able to release parodies more quickly rather than um having to do a whole collection all at once. And I think that was the end of his, uh, his contract, which whatever label he's on Warner brothers or something. Um, it was like the last album he had to do under the contract. So that's why he's done like a bunch of singles. You know, he did the, the Hamilton polka and he did some, uh, some other stuff, um, since this came out, but he hasn't, he hasn't done like a collection all at once. Now, this was his, I know this came out in 2014, and I also know this was his 14th studio album. 14 oh. studio albums of, uh, of Weird Al Yankovic. I remember, again, like, you know, around listening to the Devo, you know, Devo years, when that came out, I remember... Oh, Dare to be Stupid, yeah. No, but I, but I remember, I remember, like, you know, when... when it had, it, like, it had to be like in the 70s. And again, I'm a little kid and I'm in my room and I have an FM radio. And I remember listening on Sunday night. Do you remember Dr. Demento? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And Dr. Demento show. And you, know, you would listen and, you know, Weird Al Yankovic was on that all the time. And yeah, that's, that's, where I, that's where I remember him. Yeah. And you're like, man, how did this wind up becoming like, you know, like a thing? But um, did you like so the album that we're talking about is uh, Weird Al Yankovic's Mandatory Fun. Did, did you like it? I, I do like it. It's not uh, it's not my favorite of his albums, but I there's a lot of really fun stuff on there, like uh, uh, Foil, which is the um, what the is Lord, this, that Lord song. Yeah. yeah. Lord Royals the, parody. I love that. Yeah, that. The song is great. The video is one of my favorite of his videos just because of the, the misdirection. Like at the end, it just gets so bizarre. And I just didn't expect it the first time I, I, I heard it. You know, um, it's, it's like I'm, I listen to a lot of this album uh, while I was in the gym, right? While, while I'm working okay. out. And, yeah. I'm list- and when you brought a foil, I started laughing because I'm thinking, like, I'm listening to it. It's so stupid, but I'm laughing because <laughs> it's so it's so funny. And, like, you know, putting it towards that song, like, that's fucking genius. It's, it's one of the, his better parodies, I think. Agreed. What else did you like? Uh, I always like his polkas. 
you know, this was, was this too. was a good, this was a good, yeah, it's, it's pretty well done. I think my favorite of his is the, which the, my favorite of his polkas is the one from the bad hair day, which was, I think alternative polka, just because that has like all the songs that I grew up listening to. But, on, uh, but this, this one was great. Yeah. I said on uh, this one, um, you know, uh, he had a, that's what I call poker. And I think, yeah. That, that's what I call. Yeah. And like, you know, he, it's like all these songs, like, uh, uh, what was that? You know, foster the people was on that, you know, and it's all done like in, in poker style. And like, you, you yeah. listen to this stuff and like, he don't change the words or anything. It's just like, I guess music from like, 2010 2012 in that in that right around that time frame and he's yeah. just playing it poker style and again it's funny it, it it's works great. it's funny I, and it's and it, you know he he can sing yeah yeah he i i like his voice i think if he made serious music i would like it just as much he, he on this one too and a song that i liked was I liked Inactive. And I think I think the lyrics were really funny and it was a parody of uh, Imagine Dragons Radioactive. And oh, yeah. And the thing is, I hate Imagine Dragons. And I hate, <laughs> Yeah, I don't like them either. I don't like them. <laughs> Finally, we agree on something. Okay, I don't like them. <laughs> I never liked the song Radioactive. And I thought his parody, Inactive, is better than the original. Yeah, I don't even know if I know that particular song, so I'll, I'll agree that it's better. <laughs> uh, oh, I so I think I gotta I gotta jump off now. I think if that's if that's cool, if you want to take it from here, I will. I will take it from here, Anthony. Folks, catch Anthony Caffer tonight at Haha uh, ha Cafe. He's going to be in LA uh, through Friday. Uh, he's definitely worth checking out. He's a great act. And uh, yeah, thanks for coming on. This becomes the Jeffrey Paul Dustin yeah, Bottom solo the show. Paul hour. <laughs> yes, as, as my dog is sitting right by me. <laughs> All right. See you All later. Right. Do good, Anthony. Thank you. Okay. So, okay. So uh, just a couple of other things about this, uh, about this album uh, that I liked. And I'll tell you a couple of things. I always like to say, well, I don't like it as well. You also, you would think after, um, I don't know, after a year and a half of doing stuff on Zoom and a computer, I would figure out like where the camera is on this thing. And I haven't done that. So um, I, I love Tacky. Tacky is, it was also a, um, a great track off of Weird Al Yankovic's Mandatory Fun. It's a parody of Pharrell Williams' Happy. Um, and it's, it's, it's like really funny lyrics of him describing like all things that are cheap and tacky. You, you, could, you could imagine. Um, things I didn't like about it, okay? Uh, before we get into our, 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 our classic uh, album of the uh, night, um, I didn't really like um, a song called uh, Mission Statement. It was uh, a parody of Crosby, Stills and Nash's uh, Sweet uh, Judy Blue Eyes. Um, I thought it was a weird uh, choice to kind of like put on this album, you know, especially when it was, there were a lot more contemporary stuff at the time. And then he kind of followed that up. You know, I think it was the closing track on the album was um, 
Jackson Park Express, which was uh, kind of like in a, in the vein of a Cat Stevens song. And uh, if I remember correctly, he had uh, during an interview he had once given, he had talked about how he was really into Cat Stevens at the time. Uh, he was into Foo Fighters at the time. And there's a song on this that is kind of styled. It's not a parody of any Foo Fighters song, but he wrote it in a Foo Fighters uh, way. Um, those songs I didn't particularly care for, but the songs I thought were clever, like Anthony had said originally, I think when he does the poker stuff, it is always killer. It always works. It's always great. Um, I thought foil. I, I have to agree. I think it was kind of like the uh, the standout for me. I loved it. It hooked me in. It's, I believe that's the, the second song on the album. Um, I also liked um, Word Crimes. It's a great. Um, it was a great parody of uh, Blurred Lines, the Robin Thicke. Uh, hit from a few summers ago. I thought that was uh, really good and really clever. And, you know, again, great lyrics and you listen to it. And the thing is, when you listen to um, a Weird Al Yankovic album, it's a very easy listen. You know, the songs aren't too long. You know, you know, most of them already because you, you know the tunes, you know the melodies. And um, it's very, very easy to get into. Uh Jay, if anybody on uh, wrote any type of comments or anything, if you want to just put them over in the chat, uh, let me know. But what do people think of Weird Al Yankovic? Do you like him? Is he hacky? What do you guys think? I love him. I think he's great. Um, I did get to meet him uh, a couple of times uh, when I would do uh, concerts and what was touring. And uh, he would come backstage sometimes. And he was a really, really nice guy and a good guy to kind of get to know so hey, uh hey jeff we had a comment from mad dabbing mad dabbing he said that uh <clears throat> that he hasn't listened to this album yet but he, he's definitely going to check it out because he liked all of weird Al stuff growing up yeah yeah matt you know his stuff growing up was great and you know i don't know how old you are matt but um for me you know i i almost kind of feel like i grew up on um Weird Al Yankovic, you know, he, you know, he's, his music has always been there. Uh, I remember one time uh, I was traveling for, for comedy. I was down in, uh, I was in Florida. I was doing something down in the Florida Keys and uh, had a, a Weird Al Yankovic CD. And, you know, it just makes the ride go by so quick. It puts you in a great mood. Like you can't listen to this music these songs and not feel really good. You know, they, you, you laugh. And, and the thing is, if you don't like it, you know, this, like I said, the songs are short, but yeah, that you should absolutely check this out. It's called Weird Al Yankovic, uh, mandatory fun. And like I said, it's his uh, 14th studio album. And like Anthony said, um, this looks like it's probably going to be the last of his full length uh, LPs. Okay, and now I think all we have to look forward to is him putting things out on uh, on digital, um, you know, and, and social media. Okay, sorry about that, folks. Uh, I, was, I was looking to see if Adam was going to uh, check in or if, uh, if uh, Dustin was uh, coming in, but not yet. And if they do, that that would be I would love to hear from them. If not, you know, hopefully they're they're getting to where they have to get to safely. Um, all right. 
So let's switch directions a little bit here. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And this would be like the Jeff poll. And what we're going to talk about uh, today is when we talk about uh, what, what I, you know, a classic album for me. Okay. Um, this is going to be uh, the second, the second album from uh, the heavy metal band or the hard rock band, whatever, however you want to categorize them, Skid Row. And the album is called Slave to the Grind. Um, it, it has the, Skid Row has an interesting uh, history, but before we, we get into that, let's just uh, some comments about the album before we you know, break down the tracks. Um, it's the first heavy metal album to chart at uh, number one on the Billboard uh, 200. Uh, the album went double platinum. Um, their first album came out in 1989. This album uh, came out two years later in 91. And it's important for me to mention that because uh, we'll get into why. But it's important for you to, guys to know that this is their second album that came out in June of 91. And if you're not familiar uh, with, with the band, uh, the band is Sebastian Bach on vocals. Uh, who, if we were to be doing on this show uh, a top five uh, singers of all time list, uh, Sebastian would be on that list for me. I mean, he's just that talented and that incredible. And he's really everything a rock star should be, man. Sebastian Bach, when this band broke out, was the rock star. He was incredible, you know, had everything everything um another guy uh in the band is um dave snake sabo and he here's here's the thing with, with skid row and sometimes why other bands um uh really had a had a hard time with skid row or resented skid row um this band comes from jersey except for sebastian sebastian uh bach is a, a canadian um Dave Snake Sabo lived in, I believe it was Sayaville, New Jersey. Um, and he was uh, high school friends, even, I think even before high school friends, with John Bon Jovi. And the way they became friends was, uh, I think Dave was walking home from school, saw uh, Bon Jovi, you know, John Bon Jovi playing basketball by himself, and they just started playing basketball together. And they wound up, you know, becoming friends from that day on. And as they got older, they both had an appreciation of music, especially hard rock music, uh, playing the guitar. Um, and they were like best, best friends um, as they got older. And, uh, you know, they always kind of, you know, they always kind of said, whoever makes it, you know, would help the other one out. Um, I think what people forget sometimes is, uh, Dave Sabo was um, in Bon Jovi for a small amount of time. And I remember 
when I was uh, a kid, you know, like a, a high school kid, we would go, you know, you, you'd go like to rock clubs and stuff. You know, we would we'd go like the big clubs with like the Fountain Casino in New Jersey, <laughs> uh, the Factory, which later became Snoopy's in Staten Island, the Rock Palace, Lemoore's obviously in uh, in Brooklyn and you, you use your fake ID to get in. Um, but I remember there was a place and I think it was called Rogers or Rogie's, something like that. And it was a small place, like a, like a little bit better than a dive bar. And I remember seeing Bon Jovi playing at that bar. And I, I'm, I'm almost positive uh, Snake Sabo was in the band at that time. Because they, you know, Bon Jovi really starts to make it a little bit bigger and they really become more of a unit when Richie joins the band. Because Richie's a little bit older. He's a little bit more accomplished. He had played before, just like Tico did as well. And, um, you know, he also, he could sing. He had the look and everything. And Dave knew that it was the right fit for Bon Jovi. And, you know, it wasn't going to work. But, but John Bon Jovi had always said, you know, um, that if we make it before you do, you know, we'll take care of you. And John Bon Jovi, to his word, kept that promise because when, you know, when uh, Bon Jovi made it, uh, Skid Row was just coming out and they brought him on the road. They had them open. Their A&R guy uh, took them under their wing. They got signed because of... of uh, of uh, Bon Jovi. And that's why I think other bands kind of resented it, you know? Um, but other members in the band were Scotty Hill, who's also a guitar player, Rachel Bolin, who's one of the principal songwriters along with uh, uh, Dave Snake Sabo, and then Rob Afuso on uh, drums. Um, when they recorded, when they recorded Slave to the Grind, um, a young Lars Ulrich, okay, of, um, of Metallica fame was hanging out while they were recording. Now, Skid Row's first album did better than anyone thought it was going to be. And it was a killer album, okay? It spawned hits like 18 in Life, uh, Youth Gone Wild, which became like a real like anthem type song, okay? Uh, I Remember You. These were big hits. I Remember You was a big radio hit. Um, 18 Life was a big hit on uh, MTV. And again, with the look of the band, with the look of, of, of Sebastian, you know, they were immediately successful. So uh, when they went into the uh, studio uh, to record uh, the second album, when they were recording the song Monkey Business, which we'll talk about uh, in a little bit, Lars Ulrich referred to Sebastian's voice as a raw. And if you've never heard Sebastian Bach sing, yeah, I mean, this guy is beyond heavy metal, he's beyond rock. This is, he, he appeared on Broadway in um, Jekyll and Hyde. I mean, he has a great, great, powerful voice. When you look at this guy, you would never think he had that type of voice. And the thing is, I, I wish, Jay, I wish we were able to play snippets of music because he was just so, so freaking powerful. He was so good. Like, you need to hear it. And, the, and you know, also, like, as, as a comedian, he had, like, a sense of humor 
because like he would have this great voice. And then like after he was done, like after they did it, uh, their appearance on Saturday Night Live, uh, he would be like, uh, thank you. You know, he did like in this little nerdy uh, voice. Um, yeah, but people really thought that uh, that th- this group was going to be a one hit wonder that, you know, uh, that they had really like exhausted everything on the first album uh, that Bon Jovi got them the record deal. And that was going to be it. Um, wrong. Wrong. Slave to the Grind is a phenomenal album. It's heavier. It's more mature. It's a deeper record. And you know from the first track, from the opening track, okay, that they're not fucking around, okay? They, they mean business. The opening track is a monkey business. And if you get to watch the video, um, you can... Oh, did I, Jay, can you hear me? Did, did we freeze up? I hear you. Um, yeah, you, okay. you're, you froze, but I can still hear you fine, so... Okay, I'm sorry, folks. Uh, by the way, Jay, any um, any 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 more uh, comments from people before sure. we go on? Uh, Happy Misgive said that uh, she thinks her the very first album is her favorite album and didn't care for this one as much, but it's not a bad album. It just isn't her favorite. Okay, I I kind of get that. Um, I think the first album is is a little more. Uh, poppy. I, again, I think songs like uh, Youth Gone Wild and 18 in Life, especially 18 in Life, are, are, are very, very poppy. This is a heavy, heavy album, like monkey business. You know, it, it opens up with Sebastian's trademark scream. Okay. Um, it, it really starts with just like a few chord lines, you know, four hits on the cowbell. And then he just, it's that raw, that, that, that energy, that, that power, okay? Like a scream like you never heard. I, the, only, the best way I can kind of describe, you know, the arrangement. Oh, there we go. We're back. The only best way I can kind of uh, describe the arrangement of the song, think um, Guns N' Roses' Paradise City, but harder. And the reason why I also bring that up and that came to mind was, Again, this album came out in 91. They opened for Guns N' Roses on Guns N' Roses 91 tour and were blowing them off the stage, you know, every night. And you can see that again on YouTube. All you got to do is put in, uh, you know, uh, Skid Row, Monkey Business or anything, Skid Row 91. And you can, you can see highlights or full performances uh, from that, from the, that tour. Uh, there's one in particular in Wembley in London where, I mean, they're just phenomenal, just phenomenal. But there's also other great songs on this album. I mean, but for me, Monkey Business is maybe my favorite, if not my favorite, is Quick Saying Jesus. Um, I guess you can kind of categorize it as a power ballad. Um, there was, you know, there was a wasted time, which was the radio play, but this is easily the better song. Um, this is, this, this song, again, it highlights Sebastian's, uh, uh, scream at the end. Um, this, I think this song alone is worth the price of the album. Um, so between monkey business and quicksand Jesus, um, Already, I mean, this is a killer album. And then you got, I mean, in a row, you had 
uh, monkey business. He had Slave to the Grind, which is a great, great, heavy, hard rock song. You have The Threat, which is a great song. Great riff, catchy chorus. Um, then you had a song called Psycho Love, which I really, really always enjoyed. Uh, this is where Rachel Boland, the uh, bass player, this is where he really kind of stands out. Um, it's a great, fast-paced uh, rocker. Um, has a, a little bit of a of a motley uh, vibe to it, but only much much better vocals. Okay, you know you hear the old cliche that someone could sing the song uh, the the telephone book. If you guys even remember what a telephone book is, okay, um, someone could sing this telephone book and it still would sound great. That's Sebastian Bach. Um, is just really, I mean, I, I really can't, can't emphasize enough how good of a singer this guy is. And then you had another kind of like, like a fun, vulgar uh, track called Get the Fuck Out. Um, and today, who knows if that song would even be released or would have to be hidden. Um, it's just like a good ass-kicking rock song. And, you know, again, it shows their sense of humor as well. You know, they just just didn't take them. You know, they just weren't over the top serious. But these guys can play. They can rock. Um, let's talk a little bit before we wrap this up. Let's talk a little bit about who the, their contemporaries are. Because when you look at um, like the heavy metal scene, you know, or the I hate referring to it as ham metal because I think it really kind of like devalues uh, these bands, because um, on another show that I, I host, uh, I, I get to interview a lot of these uh, musicians because it's the music that I love. And, you know, you just don't, you know, you forget how accomplished players they really are. And just to kind of categorize it as hair metal, I think it kind of, I think it's almost like an insult. So I don't really like uh, using that phrase uh, too much. But um, on the, on the uh, West Coast, you had uh, bands like uh, you. You had bands like Motley Crue who had, who had come out uh, later on. You had bands like uh, Slaughter, who you know who wound up playing a lot out out west. Uh, uh, Poison, who originally came from Pennsylvania, you know w- you know uh, grew up on the uh, Sunset Strip. But out here on the East Coast, you know you before. Um, Skid Row, again, you had Bon Jovi, which was, you know, they're good commercial rock. You had Cinderella, which was great, you know, more of like bluesy rockers. I think you had a band like Trickster, who kind of like appealed more to like, you know, the junior high school 13-year-old crowd. But Skid Row was different. And I don't like to categorize them, even though there's that, that, that common thread, you know, with Bon Jovi, they are nothing like Bon Jovi, you know. Um, they are straight up, right to the gut, hard rock. And if you remember at the beginning when I, when I started this, <laughs> about maybe 15, 20 minutes ago, uh, I mentioned that this album came out in 91. And this album should have really catapulted Skid Row to another level. Like, really, they were destined for bigger things. But the problem was, in you know, again, 91, it started to become the beginning of the grunge scene. And 
people don't realize how fast once grunge, you know, started to really become mainstream. Once uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit started getting regular rotation on MTV and people don't also don't remember how influential MTV was back in the day before they started playing like, you know, every, you know, uh, around the clock uh, episodes of ridiculousness. All right. Um, they played music and their music really, you know, getting on MTV could make or break a band. And it made, you know, your Pearl Jam and it made Nirvana and, you know, it made, uh, you know, uh, Soundgarden and Alice in Chains and that whole grunge sound, but it killed, it killed, you know, that heavy, heavy rock, you know. Uh, so, uh, yeah, by, by that time, and when I say killed it, you know, you would have a, you know, uh, what would happen, like Skid Row had right after the, uh, while they were on the uh, Guns N' Roses tour, they were, they were really murdering it and they were taken off the tour and wound up uh, doing a headline tour of their own. And, uh, you know, you're, you're going from playing places like uh, out here in New Jersey, you know, the Brendan Byrne Arena at the time, or they would have played a place like uh, Jones Beach. So you're talking about anywhere from, from 10 to 15,000 seats. And then now you're going to play in smaller theaters, maybe 2,000. I mean, and it happened very, very quickly, you know, the, you know, the end of, uh, of, of the metal era. Um, another interesting thing was, um, and I, I, think this is, I think this is kind of an interesting story, is that Nirvana was supposed to open for uh, Skid Row in 91. But uh, Sebastian had uh, got uh, caught up in some controversy. And that controversy was, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen like uh, a can of Raid. You know, Raid is like an insect killer. And it was, you know, the, the slogan was Raid kills bugs dead. Sebastian, during a photo shoot, wore a shirt you know, in the same style of the of the rape can, it said AIDS kills fags dead. And he got himself caught up in a whole bunch of uh, controversy with that. You know, uh, sponsors started to pull out, you know, start to disassociate themselves with Skid Row. And Kurt Cobain was like, we're not going to open for these homophobes. And, you know, Sebastian tried to backtrack, but, you know, the damage was already done. But um, not to take away from the music, Skid Row's Slave to the Grind is uh, really, it, it's nice to watch the maturation of, of a band from the first album to what they became. And like I, people did not have high expectations for this second record. And in my opinion, I think the second record is better than the first. Again, I think it's a deeper record. I don't think there is a filler track on it. Um, I think, the hit single on it, which was Wasted Time, is probably my least favorite of, of the uh, songs. It, and uh, to me, it, it, when you talk about uh, Desert Island uh, tunes, Monkey Business and Quicksand Jesus, you know, are, are right up there for me. So, Jay, any, uh, any other comments? Yeah, 
Yeah, um, let's see. Yeah. We've got, uh, yeah, sorry, it takes me a second to unmute sometimes. <laughs> no, no, no worries. <laughs> uh, let's see here. We've got uh, uh, Sig responding to you uh, talking about how uh, some of the newer videos on MTV kind of stole away some of the the uh, momentum they had. Um, he was said video did kill the radio star, although, you know, they really weren't radio stars. You know, they weren't doing their own videos by that point anyway. It wasn't the early 80s. It was the early 90s. That's right. <laughs> and, uh, and then another one was he got canceled. They just didn't call it that back then. <laughs> you know what? That's a great, great point. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, they he, he did get canceled. Yeah, um, I wish I uh, had sent you a picture. I, w I would love for you guys to see. You know, I don't know if everybody out there knows Sebastian Bach or what he looked like. But man, he, I mean, again, this guy was a rock star. He had everything. He was, he was, he was a great looking guy. And, you know, he had this, like this, this, this hair and, you know, the talent to back it up. Um, I think if Skid Row had come, you know, had come out five years earlier, they probably would have been a much, much bigger band. You know, they may, you know, I, it would have been interesting to see what they would have evolved in. Could they have been, you know, um, Metallica or could they have been like a, a Motley, you know? Um, they were, to me, like unapologetic. They would come out wearing like, you know, you know, the, you know black leather and, you know, they, they didn't wear makeup. You know, they weren't like, again, like that with Motley or, or Poison or Twisted Sister. You know, they weren't that. They were just hard rock, to punched to the stomach, you know, Jersey guys who came out and just played this, this incredible music. Um, yeah, it seems like a lot of the chat uh, know Sebastian more from being uh, on the Trailer Park Boys than they do from a lot of his music. They know Skid Row's music, but then they know him more personality-wise from his stint on the Trailer Park Boys TV show. It's a Canadian TV show. Ah, okay, I was going to say, I've never even heard of the Trailer Park Boys. I'll have to check it out. He was in a, on a, um, later on, I think, on VH1. He was part, and I don't know if, if, uh, if any of our listeners are kind of getting this, you know, um, if they saw this. Do you guys remember he was on something called uh, Supergroup? And it, you had um, Scott Ian uh, from Anthrax. I have a picture of him back here. Uh, he, was, he was part of it. Ted Nugent was part of it. And Sebastian was uh, part of it. So he was kind of like in this like reality show where you had you took like these these musicians with over the top personalities, threw them in a house, and they had to like you know put together a set list, make a band, and then play a, a concert. You know that was like the, the premise of the show. So I wonder if people remember him from that as well. Um, oh, he also want full time doorman yeah. had a slight correction. Um, he said yeah, I think this was in response to the makeup. He says yes, they did. Uh, Rachel Bolin wore makeup. Well, you know, he had like long hair. I don't remember him in, in makeup. I really don't. Uh, you guys can go back again. Check it out on uh, YouTube. I mean, I was talking to Dustin, um, I guess it was last, uh, uh, I guess it was last Monday. We were at the comic strip together. And I told him, you know, it's like when we do this, 
I always wind up going, spending hours going down these wormholes, you know, watching performances, look, listening to cover versions of, of these songs, you know, looking for as many different versions of the songs as possible. Um, and, you know, I, I don't remember, you know, I don't, it, if you wore makeup, it wasn't as prominent as, um, as, as Motley and, and some of the other bands and Twisted Sister in particular. Uh, and if you look at Sebastian, man, he didn't wear any makeup. You know, he didn't have to. <laughs> I mean, he 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 was just he was just like an incredible looking dude, man. You know, it, but but again, in every sense of the word, guy was a rock star, and you know that's what a rock star was was Sebastian Bach. Um, but yeah, that's a but to whoever said that before, that's a great point. He was canceled before the term canceling, uh, you know, came about. Very very true, very very true. Anything else there, Jay, before we wrap this baby up? I think that's about it so far. Okay. All right. So hopefully Dustin got back all right. And I know Adam's kind of busy. So um, Adam usually talks about the new music on this show. I thought he, he would have a shot at joining us. Um, the only thing that I know that's coming, that I know is coming, I'm looking forward to that's coming out, is the new Maiden album. Um, I heard some of it uh, this past week, and again, they are phenomenal. You know, I I love this music. Made in, you know, I make no bones about it. They are my favorite band. You know, them and Black Sabbath. Um, but I mean, it, it, it's so ridiculous how this band can just like, you know, with the incarnation they have now with Bruce uh, Dickinson as lead singer, how they can go from like the the early 80s to 2021 and still consistently make incredible music so you know maybe uh we'll we'll talk about the new maiden album down the road um but other than that uh guys thank you so much for listening man thank you guys for for writing in your comments and everything really appreciate it. you guys are, are tremendous thank you guys for for watching out there on twitch um Hopefully everybody will be back uh, next week and that way you don't have to just like look at me, you know, trying to figure out where the camera is. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm brutal at this, but um, uh, we do appreciate you checking out Dustin's vinyl. Uh, I'm Jeffrey Paul and we'll catch you next week. Thank you guys.